This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at Mike C Tennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... We have not had too many guests on on our podcast who are or not part of the the player sphere. Uh, however, I have seen this man on video play tennis before. Um, yeah, I think it was I all against, that footage has been destroyed. I thought it was against uh, Ricky. Is that right, Ricky? Ricky. Oh, maybe. Okay, that one's not so bad. Yeah, that <laughs> one's not Ricky bad. Footage is, it's not so bad. Um, yeah. But but there's ben, one really awful video of me playing with Carl Bialik. Oh wow. At, at uh at indian wells actually they set up a, a demo playside court like early playside days and so we were just there and, and he wanted to do a story about what it's like and do a little I don't know, you know article for whoever he was writing for at the time about what it was like and he grabbed me to go play and i had not played in indian wells before no one will know like the altitude there and stuff and the air just being really thin i was even i'm not i hadn't played in like a year also not swung a racket like probably about a year and it was just with the worst times I've ever played in my life. And what's luckily you can't see on screen, but I could see in person on the next court over was a very intense shirtless hitting session between Dominic team and Jordan Thompson. Just like <laughs> world-class stuff, like, you know, world-class shirtless. There am yes. I, like struggling to push the ball, like into the court, not have it go 50 feet long. It was a, it was a low point. And so that was on YouTube for a while, but has been taken down. Not by me, I promise. But I thankful to whoever did it. So that is our guest Ben Rothenberg joining us, the co-host and host. I, I uh, no challenges remaining. Do I, I you know, host? Yeah, Ben and Ben. He does stuff for the New York Times. He's a very dominant uh, Twitter personality in the tennis Twitter sphere. Um, we have we have three topics we're going to get to here. So so first, I know you are the lone one of the three of us headed down to Australia in the next couple of days. Um, walk us through what your preparations have have been like, what you've had to go through um, before we start getting into the expectations of, of what's going to actually happen over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's been something where I wanted to go and just wasn't sure about um, if it would be possible. It winds up actually happening at the time. It's only sending one staffer because it's the impending Winter Olympics coming up in 2022. So they're doing a little less travel to Australia have more staff available to do 
preview stories just to do that other long haul trip to Beijing. Um, so we'll see how that Olympics goes. And I know that relates right. to another one of our topics later on. Um, but yeah, so I decided to go basically in early November. And then I got the messages once I told Tennis Australia, like, hey, I want to come. They said, oh my gosh, you got to apply for all these visas. Um, and, you know, and you know, deadlines are in 48 hours. And so I had to do all this stuff, much longer applications than usual. Had to get a sort of different sort of visa. Usually I just get the one you can kind of get on your phone as you're in right. the check-in line at the airport in, in the U.S., uh, but this time I had to get some fancy one to send like bank statements and all this other personal information to Australia. That was weird. Um, but anyway, so yeah, but so I'm going, I'm getting, I, so I leave recording this on the 28th. I have to get my COVID test on the 29th. That's the day before leaving and then get on a plane on the 30th. Um, so I was like very much not doing anything for Christmas gatherings at all. And, and had the excuse of just being like, I have to test negative on the 29th. Otherwise my whole trip gets screwed up. Um, so yeah, so I'm going. I'm going to be in Melbourne the whole time as there's warm-up tournaments there this year, which will be different. So I'll be there for the 250s and the um, women, men's and women's 250s there, and then uh, qualies and then main draw. So it should be uh, it should be different. I, it's interesting. I didn't go there in 2021 this year, so I didn't do the whole 14-day hard quarantine thing. But it'll be uh, it'll be nice to be back after a couple of years missing there. So it seems like this whole Omicron situation has escalated in about, I don't know, like six hours. And within a week, um, you know, I, I'm being in New York right now, I'll be in South America tomorrow, but uh, it seems like it literally has exploded. Have you heard anything along those lines of quarantines now being in place, shutting down? We know how conservative Australia it is, you know, with, with certain things like that. But how has that been so far? Yeah, no like official rule changes. Um, actually, my airlines, I'm connecting, I'm flying via Fiji because that was the commercial <laughs> flight available. So Fiji, even just as a stopover location, they tightened the window in which you had to get tested. So for Australia, it was get tested within 72 hours of departure. Fiji, it was 24. And so I had to get a much more expensive test on it with a faster turnaround in order to oblige the Fijian rules um, as one does. So, so that was, that's sort of been my impact in terms of things tightening. And obviously just maybe being way more cautious about, you know, basically bailing on Christmas dinner and stuff I would have done probably otherwise because of Omicron. Um, but yeah, but I, I haven't heard anything official from Tennis Australia about uh, intense, more intense quarantining. And honestly, I'm kind of just going to cross that bridge when I get there. Like if when I get there, they're like, oh, you can't leave your, you know, a hotel or apartment for a day. I'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll just hang here. Right. I, wait for, I, think, I know I have to get a test when I land. I know that. But then I think I'm, I think I'm okay. But I've heard also from people on the ground, and I don't know if you're hearing this too, Noah and or Mike, that like tests have been not ready or people have been not having the test as easily accessible as they thought they would uh, upon arrival in Australia. So I'm kind of, again, leaving that on the other side of the world mentally and physically <laughs> for now. And when I cross that equator, uh, I, will, I will get there. Yeah, but it's one thing how it impacts you, Ben. Um, it's another thing how it's impacting the Australian people who have obviously been through so much. And then all of a sudden you have all of these internationals who are just coming in and, and seemingly kind of hopping off a plane and two days later, they're out two or three days later, they're out in the general public. Um, I, I guess I'm wondering how, how you are sensing the impact and what it's going to be in terms of, I don't know, the crowd or, or even just the political implications down there. I mean, it's obviously been a huge political story in Australia, the tennis, and especially I think even more in 2021, it hasn't ramped up quite as much this year, although there has been all this debate and publicly about whether or not there'd be exemptions for players. And that's still going on. There's still one notable player who we're not totally sure what his status is. And we'll have to wait and see if he gets on a plane or off a plane. In Tommy Australia Paul. Or what. <laughs> not Tommy Paul. Um, I did see that the ATP put out something saying that 95 of the top 100 were vaccinated. Right. I saw that too. Now. Yeah. 
Uh, so that really, that's when you get to the sort of guessing game of who the five are. That's a manageable number to try to figure out who they are. But anyway, I'll leave, I'll leave that sort of detective works in Noah. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, so I know in, in, in January and February, when they were doing the last Australian Open, that the Australian attitude was, we want to be at zero cases nationwide. And they did have days, weeks of being at zero cases nationwide. Um, and if there was one case in the state of Victoria, that was like, oh no, we screwed up. We have one case, which is completely off the charts in terms of what we're used to in America is accepting as being normal numbers. Um, I don't think they're there anymore. I think Australia has now has a steadier stream of cases that they're having and they kind of given up on the COVID zero thing and they have Omicron down there already. Um, and it is, is making moves as it does uh, in Australia, but they also have very, very good vaccination rates yes. in their population, uh, definitely better than we have here in the US. So, but it'll be interesting to see on that front, like what the confidence of the public is to turn out and and show up to tennis and do leisure activities, even in a outdoor space, technically, uh, especially if you're on outdoor courts and stuff. But if you know if you're in the state, if you're in Rod Laver Arena, it's sort of half indoors, half outdoors, and you are tightly packed with strangers if it's at 100% capacity. So I don't know what people's confidence will be, and it's also about how much people are willing to travel to the tournament. That's right. one of the things that happened right. in 2021. Indian Wells, you oh saw, my gosh. Well, well, yeah, but you saw people. If, if it's not, if it's no longer a destination tournament, just the locals are not going to fill the stadium, right. even in a Grand Slam. You know, um, and they did have some restrictions on capacity at different times during that tournament. But yeah, it, it was just the visuals were, did not look like a Grand Slam in the crowd. It was a little bit different than the U.S. Open previously had been where, you know, there was no one there in the 2020 U.S. Open. And you were sort of used to that. But sort of having a meager showing is almost sort of in some ways feels worse. It's like it's here and people don't want it. I don't know. So <laughs> so we'll see how I, I can't judge the Australia. That's something I'm curious to see there with the Australian people's confidences and even like for these warm up tournaments. I like in 2021, those did not do well tennis wise, like, you know, big name players, Serena Williams, whoever else, Djokovic, ATP Cup and the two and the three WTA 250s that held on the grounds those weeks before the US uh, Australian Open. Not good crowds at all. So I, I'm curious to see what the appetite is because uh, they're not having Maybe it's maybe they will have at least domestic travel. People will come over from Sydney Hopefully. and watch the Australian Open, which wasn't happening much uh, last time. So we'll see. Do you think the possibility of hard quarantine? You know, we're, we're I guess the times are changing now. Now it's five days possibly, and then ten days. But um, you know, possibly remove the women's and men's two fifties. Have that hard quarantine to make sure that players are okay and everybody feels safe. Do you think there's a possibility for that, or at this point, it's if you're, we're there, we're there. I think the cat's out. Yeah, I don't man. think they're. Pl- I, I haven't heard. I haven't heard about that. I haven't heard yeah. about them canceling the, the warm up tournaments. Um, but we'll see how, how flexible they're going to be. I mean, certainly the Australian Open is the priority, and the other stuff can, you know, kind of get moved around, including qualies. We'll see what they if things do get rough there. But also, I think they're just sort of it's it's a t- it's a tougher mandate this time because like, and Craig Talley has said repeatedly this year has been tougher to plan for than last year because there's just more sort of gray area. Yeah. There's a lot more people, a lot more people by factors are probably almost like close to 10, you know, with all the qualities players, all the, much more teams available to come. Uh, a big, there was no qualities last time, right? In right. Australia. Uh, it was Doha. Yeah. Other countries. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's going to be different. And then like what happens if the tournament has, you know, eight players test positive. That's my big like, concern. What, 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 what is the threshold? What is sort of the comfort level of where's the circuit breaker, you know, like to, to say like, okay, this is enough. We got to cut this off and shut it down. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, sh- I'm guessing just with how much Omicron is in the world, there'll be more players testing positive before they get on their planes. Um, I'm not sure how many of those we'll hear about, but so many, obviously all the Abu Dhabi players, um, it's rough break. Andy Murray seems to have somehow survived. I that know one. it's crazy. Um, 
but yes, yeah, six six Abu Dhabi players out of like a total of nine tested positive. So incredible, incredible success rates for for coronavirus there. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Um, we'll see how it goes and which players do pull out if, if anyone have if anyone are still on the vaccine fence. I've heard about one um, player uh, who is still on the interest list that I know of who says he's not going um, because of vaccine rules. I don't think it's public. I don't know if that's public yet, but uh, we'll see. I don't. There's not many many. There's obviously 95 top 100 apparently. So it's one of those five. And then obviously, yeah, always the Djokovic thing is so exhausting. <laughs> I, I I don't know when this will post, and so I don't I don't want to talk about it too much in case it's yeah, yeah, an yeah. announcement finally. But just like the stringing it out, it's just not fair to anybody. It's just like it sucks. It's I, it's exhausting, and it's it, you have to cover it because he's such a relevant guy, and he's the guy in Australia, especially. And it's going for the record, and it's number one, and da 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 da. Just come on. Like, it's so tiring. <laughs> We're going to um, – Noah had his own incident with the, the Novak fans a, a good year ago, yeah. and so we're going to just let him be excused then, yeah, from that If it's discussion. just me and then you add Ben on top of that. <laughs> yeah, just, no, they, don't, they, don't, they don't love me. But, like, it, it's – you know, it, I have – I also, like, I pick my spots with Novak probably more than most people just because of the backlash and how how uh, mean yeah. <laughs> the Jokovic fans can be, for lack of a better word. And, but like, this is ridiculous. Like the fact that we don't know if the number one player in the world is playing the next Grand Slam um, because he will not make it clear whether or not he's on board with this vaccine program that 95% of his peers are. I and mean, he might be one of those 95. We just don't know. The ambiguity of it, the sort of soap opera of it, that he's dragging it on, on and on and on. I just, I don't but think it's why? his fans either. I don't think his fans would appreciate it. If they no. were, like I've, thought, I've heard from a couple, they're like, we want to know if our guy's playing. Australia. Right, it's simple for us to be on the. On yeah, that the makes no sense at this point. What, what the week, oh. the two weeks? What, what are you it, the only against? thing that rationally works for me is just that he is working to get the medical exemption. Like that's right, the constantly o- trying to go behind the scenes and constantly right. kind of crank something out. That's the only um, thing that makes any type of sense as to why he hasn't announced it. Right. Yeah. Anyways. But you, I, it'd be shocking to me if like if it was still that down to the wire. I, I agree. Also, like I've read the medical requirements. I cannot imagine that a number one of the world athlete meets these requirements <laughs> on any level, honestly, from the things I've seen. I don't know his history. And I know there's lots of things about, oh, medical privacy. And this comes up during WADA stuff, obviously. Yeah, right. And, you know, TUEs. And you don't want to reveal people's medical situations. But like, I'm pretty confident that Novak doesn't have any of these conditions, largely, which would lead you bedridden, you know, in the year after he got three quarters of the way or seven <laughs> 27 28 of the way to the, the calendar slam <laughs> i think he's doing okay health wise um i don't know it's just exhausting but it's relevant like it, i can't not mention it here but it's but it's it's relevant but it's exhausting it's also um moving on to our, our next topic but it also does tie in it has gotten relatively quiet on the peng shui um front right mm-hmm. now and and that does surprise me just a bit considering um how much of an asian tie-in there is with this particular slam um this one being the the closest to, to the the asian continent um and i and i'm wondering where where we're at where you're hearing we're at with that will there specifically um any knowledge of anything happening in australia specifically in that uh, regard so that there might be some sort of statement whether it be on court or off court from the Australian Open, well, the statement's not going to come from TA. I don't think. I think TA has pretty carefully picked its words, and like you said, they have branded themselves as the Grand Slam of Asia Pacific. Yeah, actually, not even that close geographically. Like, I think actually distance wise, I, I saw this when Lina won okay. the French Open. That there was a map that someone drew that said like Paris is actually as far from Beijing 
pretty much almost identical as Beijing is to Melbourne. They're just on the same, they're similar time zones. Yeah, yeah, right. More similar, you know, like there, there are cultural reasons that they actually are pretty close um, in certain ways and time zones being a, mate, a relevant one actually. So I, I don't think they're going to do it. They also have a lot of big Chinese sponsors. Right. It's 1573 Arena, which is one of their, their only sponsored arena, I guess, name right now. Yep. It's named after a Chinese company since we're a Chinese liquor company. Um, and other plenty, plenty of other Chinese sponsors too. They don't want to do anything. Now, will we see a situation where, well. there, yeah, will, yeah, will there be a situation where there's a player protests? I mean, maybe, like, so like obviously, like Nicholas Mahout's taking lots of chance, like lots of opportunities in the last uh, couple couple months to to do things on this front. Um, generally, players haven't been doing this. There's been lots of opportunity in Melbourne, actually, with the Market Court Arena and all those things. Um, and active players really have not been the ones taking those opportunities to make stands. Um, the Peng Shui stuff has resonated a lot with, with players and they see her as one of their own and they mm-hmm. see the, the stuff. And obviously WTA has been really getting worldwide praise and acknowledgement for its really uniquely bold stand, um, stubbornly standing up to the Chinese state media censorship and everything like that. Um, so I don't know. And there's also, there's a bunch of stuff going on. There's, and there's also like, I mean, Chinese players there. Right. That's one of the things I'm sort of nervous and curious about is what happens to these, the Chinese players. And there are a handful of them in the top hundred for the women um, and a few others in doubles and qualities and stuff like that. Are they going to be able to play? Are they, you know, will people, I want to do, I would like to write a story about them honestly and the phenomenon of what happens to these players now. And it's like, if women's tennis is on the outs in China, like, are they still going to be able to keep their careers going. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with them. A lot of them I've noticed actually been playing the one, a lot of the 125s mm-hmm. that have been happening in December. Like they're just staying on the road yeah. away from China. <laughs> they're not going home. Um, just sort of, you know, roaming away. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of this shakes out. But I mean, I mean, no, you can answer this. Well, do you, do you expect sort of players to, to raise this as an issue too? Is, have player consciousness moved on from this? We'll see. I don't. I mean, I think the, the biggest issue lies here, and, and I'm not, it's not an excuse by any means because they're completely separate, but there's so much to worry about right now for players. You know, they're, mm. they're worrying about getting into a country, they're worrying about testing positive, and, they're, and there's a billion things. I don't think this is at the forefront of their minds right now, and uh, it is an issue. I mean, yeah, I mean, you talked about, you know, Margaret Court. I mean, you see how quickly something gets swept under the rug. You know, it's the Tennis players are innately selfish. That's how it mm-hmm. works. I think, you know, early on um, in this situation, we probably saw the most, you know, players actually coming together, you know, and, and Unified, uniting yeah. more than ever before. Um, but I think again, it was, I think it was already so remarkable what the players did. I mean, like, yeah. that's my main takeaway from Peng Shui's stuff. This is, this is the most sort of united the tennis players have been pretty organically, you know, standing up for one of their own, standing up for a, a cause, making statements, some of which were pretty careful. I mean, a lot of the statements like didn't mention China. Uh, for example, but um, but really, you know, standing, it was a, it was a good moment of, of community solidarity for tennis, which doesn't have many of those really yeah. um, publicly <laughs> facing anyway, um, of, of looking out for each other and, and standing up and sort of putting people above profits. There was a lot of positive stuff about it. So even if it's not a big story in Melbourne, the fact that it was a big story, you know, and like a worldwide front page story, like not just a sports story at any level um, for so much of November and so on was, I think it's already something tennis can be proud of but yeah it's, it's not it's not done i guess from a, a journalism media side of things what was the initial reaction from yourself and peers after the you know atp released their statement and just i'm just curious from your side of things what was the <laughs> knee-jerk reaction uh, uh, i mean <laughs> I, I was not probably too different from what the players who spoke right. about it were saying 
there's just not a lot of there there. And I mean, the really the remarkable thing in terms of breaking with the norms is what the WTA response has been. In some ways, it's normal, you know, saying we care about our player, we're going to put her safety and her her story, which she put out, you know, and her, our concerns for her ahead of profits. But it's so rare in the world of corporations, including sports corporations dealing with China, you know, NBA, it's a couple of moments like this, nothing that's sort of personal, personal safety stakes the way the Peng Shui is just even just on profits, um, putting those ahead of sort of human rights issues like Hong Kong or wherever else Daryl Morey was, was getting involved in. That was Hong Kong related. Yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't surprised by ATP, but I do, I do think it's this itch, big test for like this whole Tennis United movement, which is making that's still in happening. Some ways, it, I mean, there are parts of it that are happening, like behind the scenes. There's yeah. consolidation of, I know from like the communication side. There's more joint press releases. There's like cross-posted articles on both websites, like content like that, which might seem really minor, but was never coming close right. to happening. Like there's conference calls happening to the two tours regularly now. They're trying to you know share resources, some of which is a lot of which is cost cutting honestly during the pandemic uh, at its core but this is a real and there's a major culture clash there you know between the tours and how yes. they deal with certain issues like you know their pride month uh for example uh visibilities were very different than the two tours. <laughs> so something wta re- relatively recently has become comfortable doing and embracing as part of their legacy and all the famous lgbt women and pioneers who were female tennis players um and men's tennis is not touch that it doesn't think it's part of its brand or whatever it just doesn't doesn't want to go on that on that flavor so yeah so it is, this is a real test and we'll see i mean i think that the way the wta left it i don't think there's gonna be any concessions i can't imagine they're going back to china in 2022 i can't imagine what the thaw would look like and then it yeah does does the w does the atp go back then do they still hold the shanghai masters i can't imagine that'd be popular with the players um so i don't know i I just think that i think that the whole sort of this era of of atp has been characterized by you know a culture of sort of silent uh uh, i guess i mean cowardice is the obvious word but it's a little harsh it does feel harsh to me let's go i mean but not standing up for stuff right like this goes to like topic we're not gonna get too much into but like this vera of stuff taking 11 months to acknowledge that these accusations have been made after they've been made like you know the punk shui stuff obviously being way behind and that is a wta player that's not that is an auxiliary issue for them on some level it's not their player not their constituent but like it would be nice to see them be more proactive and and show a little bit more um attention to stuff because there does seem to be player dissatisfaction separate and apart from any sort of ptpa you know real separatist (laughs) movement that's brewing you know just a sort of general job approval rating yeah that's we've got to get vashik back on the podcast i'm speaking of which (laughs) at some point um so so ben i i did want to um have have this discussion with you and i i I even mentioned it to you i think in new york one of the nights we were just kind of chatting in new york the idea. It was so nice seeing in New York. I know it was so nice, and then I, I that's, and then I got to hang out with Courtney a little bit in in Indian Wells, and I was just like, oh my god, my people, I feel so comfortable. I don't have to hang out with Noah. Um, sorry, uh, journalism versus having a social media um, personality. So when we were talking in New York, I, I mentioned this this thought that I had because you you tend to be a rather polarizing figure um in in tennis uh i've gone to the reddit tennis forum once or twice and it's just like oh my god there is a lot of dislike of ben rothenberg on on that uh little reddit sub thread uh subreddit excuse me Mm -hmm. 
you as a journalist, it, it's is one thing. I I think you as a personality, if you will, on the the Twitter side, social media side, is is an, another part. Um, when when I went through journalism school, and I'm a few years older than you. You know, we always had that idea of balance and and really kind of taking yourself out of stories, et cetera, right? I mean, we were, it, to use the Fox News slogan, we report, you decide. I mean, ultimately, that is kind balance, of, yeah, that's, yeah. that's how it was supposed to be when we, you know, when I learned in journalism school. You obviously are able to write very good uh, pieces about tennis, right? That's obvious. Uh-huh. But then you. you you come in with this social media side, very opinionated, to getting to the point where where people aren't able to really access some of your stories even and engage with your stories because of this social media personality. And I guess I'm wondering how you combine those two. How how uh, why it's important for you to have this social media side. Um, and as opinionated as it is, um, and 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 really how you balance those two things. I hope it's not as big a disconnect as you're making it seem like for people. Like I hope that I'm not as alienating that I'm really off-putting to that many people. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I certainly understand there are people. Like even I remember, like I think it was on your show, we had Chris Eubanks on mm. at some point, and he made some joke about me. And like I've barely met Chris Eubanks. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh wow, like I'm suddenly like a punchline to Chris Eubanks in some way. <laughs> um, that's weird. Um, but uh, I like him because he bullies Noah. Yeah, so, obviously. Um, I will. I will interrupt quickly and say yeah. it is spoken about. Your name goes yes. around the locker room, and yeah. it's more possibly and probably, and whether this is flattering or not, more than you think. It's especially in the past two or three years. And I think that is what Mike is getting at is this understanding that, you know, whether you think something is an opinion or not, which I can give you a definitive example. I had, I had, I can't remember exactly who it was in Indian Wells. It was a media member who had not read your story about Zverev because it was you. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> that's 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 I guess kind of what I'm getting what I'm getting at how how you kind of have you ever worried about that I guess no I can guess who you're talking about okay and I'm not I'm not worried about him yeah I, know. Um, um, <laughs> I don't think that's actually who it was but go on okay I, well we'll, we'll debrief after <laughs> but um but no I no I really don't think that's you know it's it's unfortunate to hear that I don't think that's a major problem I think that's kind of within a pretty small bubble of people. And I think it's also a testament to just how sort of like out on my own I am in terms of like sort of this very stuff, like doing a lot of this kind of reporting and being critical of putting things out there that the establishment is not going to like or appreciate and being independent um, and being undaunted on things. Like, and yeah, there's some points I'm sure where it's great in people who like, you know, love best of five matches to use the obvious most common trope for people who think I'm a broken record on stuff, right. which I actually like didn't mention as a sort of like challenge myself during all of Wimbledon. I think it was didn't mention it was still getting their marks, not sort of, you know, but also like for more extreme stuff, like let's say like the whole idea of like journalism and neutrality, I think it's very much up for discussion right now it is. in the world. Yes. Um, certainly during the Trump era, this was a big conversation about how political reporters should cover this person who's Correct. breaking all these norms um, and the political movement behind him that was breaking all these norms. Like, um, like the Peng Shui situation, like what would neutrality look like covering that there? Well, you know, there's concerned WTA, but China says she's fine. These things cancel <laughs> each other out. Like the right. end, you know, like that's how it would look like under traditional rules. So I think I, I did not go to journalism school. 
I did not, I'm, I'm relatively self-taught. I've had, you know, some mentors and, and people I've looked up to, obviously, um, and worked for a lot of great places and, and great editors and gotten a lot of guidance and, and stuff, you know, not different degrees of hands-on, hands-off along the way. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, I'm not sure where I'm going, but yeah, but I think there are certain times where I don't like, I stifle my opinion a lot more than people probably think I do in terms of what I tweet and don't tweet. Um, and if, it, if people find it off-putting to, you know, say during hour four of a, you know, men's match, like, like this is too long. Like this is screwing up the schedule. It's 1am the stadium's ashes 5% full. What are we doing here? You know, um, if that upsets purists, like, okay, fine. And if it, you know, means that certain like agents, for example, are afraid of me, then I'm going to like expose their player and don't give me interviews sometimes. Um, okay. That's fine. You know, I don't think I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not, I honestly, like, I don't, I think that at some point I should have a certain, if I'm doing my job correctly, I should have a certain expiration date on this mm. beat. You know, I, I, I shouldn't be said to be like a lifer and just be cozy with everyone and, and always trying to, you know, just accrue access and not do anything with it. Um, yeah. So hopefully um, I'm not sure where exactly I'm going with this, but yeah, but I like, I, I don't, I don't get sort of, I don't feel a lot of the sort of like, I know I've seen Reddit. I've seen yeah, people, yeah, say yeah. Reddit, people on Reddit hate me deeply. Um, uh, but also they like, I just don't think they know me. You know, yeah, like as yeah. much as that's like a sort of like thing to say on Jerry Springer, like you don't know me, you don't know me. Like I also just like genuinely sort of believe it. I'm not getting a lot of journalists who I respect saying things critical of me. Um, again, I'm curious who this Indy Wells person is. I, if it's the person I'm guessing, um, <laughs> I, I think anyway. it is actually as I've been thinking about the last couple of minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think the, anyway, the, so, the largest yeah, difficulty, no. yeah, the largest difficulty with this situation is, you know, and the reason why you've created such an amazing pathway for yourself within the world of tennis is because it's so small. So when when somebody wants to put a face yep. to a topic, to a, you know, a movement, it's your face. And that's because, you know, of, and there's respect to that. There's also the negative and, and believe me, I get one one hundredth of the hate you do. And I'm like, God, I'm enough of this shit. You know, I'm not <laughs> saying no back's name ever again, but again, this is, this is why when your name is brought up when we're talking about whether it's vaccines or this, and we're, you are that person that players are bringing up now. So yeah. I just want you to know that, you well, know, I no, it's good. It's good to know. I mean, like I, I know like, and you know, I'm even just like for certain things, I am sort of the, you know, most sort of, and some, maybe more used to be more, but like most classic sort of beat writer, you know, kind of person who'd be like fastest out tweeting out draws the thing, you know, and like there would be players actually like, I've heard like stories like in the, at the Australian Open, you know, people like sitting in the locker room, refreshing like my tweets to see like who they're playing for this round, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Like, um, and telling like other people like, you don't follow Rothenberg, you don't, like he's has it like all like five minutes, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? Um, and so those are sort of nice here, but also, you know, it's a sign that, <clears throat> that I am the big fish in this pond shows how small the pond is Yeah, compared to a lot of sports. Like I have like, I just recently cracked a hundred thousand Twitter followers. Like, and I'm like, this sport's like Adam Schefter theoretically. Right. And in terms of like scale or I don't know, you know, Woj or whoever, Woj, by the way, who blocked me on Twitter. I just don't know what that's about. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, but it's a sign that like, that it's, you know, that doing this sort of relatively day-to-day beat writer work stuff, it's still, unglamorous and it's or still like it's still like there's not a huge following for me and granted yes people have some people have unfollowed me thousands of people probably have unfollowed <laughs> me in my time um but uh yeah that's just you know and it's only because just, you yeah. you use the word golly every other tweet yeah, golly the only reason? heck and golly absolutely <laughs> but, uh, big picture though it i'm reminded of our conversation when we talked to mary carrillo a couple months ago mm-hmm. um it, it, there is 
the idea of that that investigative journalism is kind of not in our sport all that much. It's pretty rare. Um, yeah. So then when 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 somebody is kind of breaking the mold, if you will, of how how things have gone, I mean, it, it does create a lot of, I don't know, friction. Um, so I think that's ultimately kind of where you're comfortable being, right? It's not always comfortable. You know, like I still have to walk down the hallways of tournaments, which I haven't had to do in a couple of years. But I will in Australia, you <laughs> yeah. know, be like, I wonder who's around this corner yep. I might run into. You know, what various six foot six blonde person might be around the corner here. You know, the first you know, person like, I ever ran into in Melbourne, true story, that little fellow right there. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, then a, and then a couple days so, later, he's know, playing Federer. quite as terrifying. Yeah, not <laughs> but, terrifying. No, but like, I mean, so yeah, so there is sort of, I have a willingness to make things uncomfortable that people don't have. You know, like I'm willing to sort of discuss my personality for a while. Like I'll say things that people, you know, like won't be willing to say, or I'm just sort of less inhibited about that kind of stuff i guess which i think it is a journalist is almost always a good thing and yeah there are times certainly where like i've you know a couple of little like you know back in the day when like nick curious and i would like back and forth a little right. bit not very much but a little bit on twitter like i don't like those are not like my proudest moments as a journalist it, um, it ended up good, with you getting a podcast but like yeah I mean, yeah. it, you did get the podcast with him, which no, exactly, like, and that and that was and that was for I was in that moment I I felt like I was speaking his language, yes. or like interacting with him the way that he sort of understands, and it yes. did work out to be yeah something that got it did wind up actually in its own way being access giving the sort of negativeness <laughs> or adversarial uh, thing with him. Uh, that's a unique situation, but um, anyway, yeah, like. I don't know. I I yeah. I like I said. I don't. I, I'm not doing this job in a way that makes it to make it easy for myself. Um, but it's also the only way I know how to do it. Like I, I couldn't personally, you know, know, and to use this very as an example again, like to have seen that stuff and be like, oh, well, hmm, okay. And scroll along and not try to find out more about that story or not try to explain that story better to people. Like, honestly, the reason I, you know, contacted Olya in the first place, um, was that I'd read her Instagram post and didn't understand it super well and thought mm. it was, a, you know, sort of muddled and just wanted her to be able to better articulate and explain stuff um in a way and that was my goal um so yeah and, and a lot of people don't make that sort of effort honestly um we're gonna we're gonna end it there uh, mostly okay. because um betty uh wants to get yes. out um she does betty betty desperately wants to get out i've got two cats who are That's staring my dog, at me not like some hostage <laughs> right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Noah's going to South America tomorrow. Is that really? Yeah. The, yeah. I love that play. I, I heard. I was excited about that. I love. I love the South American clay play. That's fine. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm. I'm excited. I'm. I'm. I'm feeling good. I'm motivated. The rumors are they are closing the borders of South America, so I'll be there a while. But we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> nice time of year to be there. Yeah. Yeah. But both of you safe travels, Ben, um, I might need you to pick me up a, a towel while I'm down there for, for yeah, since I'm not going to be able to make the trip. You this see what year. merch? I, I don't know if you can see what I'm wearing, by the way. This is the merch that you got. Oh my gosh. The Sarasota. Wow. It, it, see, <laughs> see, it can't no, be that Sarasota good. Open, it can't be that good. Yeah. I it's forgot. The edition shirt. I forgot that I got <laughs> I you that it. shirt. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> ben, thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, talk soon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Noah. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.